while police photographing our license plate. What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Good afternoon. I'm Marcello Rolando, The Reasonable Voice. And I welcome you now, this afternoon, to the Reasonable Voices radio talk show. And my guest today, I have to tell you, as I was telling him off air, I, I have a horse in this race as far as I'm concerned, at least emotionally and psychologically, and with my professional uh, career, of course. But I'm talking to Bill Hausreth, the chairman of the Wayne Theatre Alliance. And I'd like to say that the the Wayne Theatre Alliance and I sort of, uh, well, let's first, let's welcome Bill. Bill, how are you today? Oh, just fine, just fine. I'm uh, getting over a cold a little bit, so I hope I sound better than this uh, in a week. Okay, well, you sound pretty good. We're going to talk about all things Wayne Theatre Alliance today. It's the arts, you know, always seem to have a bumpy road. I, again, I'll just say my little piece up front, and then we'll let Bill do all of the talking. But as a, um, a director of, of theater and an actor on soap operas in New York City for, oh, more than a quarter of a century, I feel very strongly about the arts. I had never been involved in community theater until I moved back to the D.C. area uh, to take care of my parents, and I, I met people in a small community theater that were working in Charlottesville, Virginia, and I decided, well, why not? I never had, and I, I directed the, a show, and I found out some fascinating things in community theater. Basically, generally, people are not working professionally in theater. They're, they have professional careers in other things, and they bring that wealth of knowledge to their performances, and they certainly are eager to do that. And I, I was just fascinated on the impact that all of these different careers had on the performance of the show I was directing. I throw that out because I met Bumi Pedersen, uh, the artistic director of Hamner Theater, and then through her met Claire, who is the, I'm not certain of Claire's title over there at the Wayne Theater Alliance. Is it artistic director or executive director? What's his title? Uh, Claire Myers uh, is now our executive director emeritus. He hired on essentially to get us open, and he has done that, and we have a, a new executive director. 
I'm glad to hear. I know Claire had mentioned he's been on the show and he'd mentioned something about sort of doing what you just said, and I guess he's done it. He has. Thankfully for us, he's stuck around. Yes. So we continue to use his talents uh, and skills uh, as he has been one of the major forces in getting us uh, open. And, you know, and I, and I know that to be true. I, as I said, I met Claire when the Wayne Theater was operating out of um, out of the gateway and directed a couple of things there, and, and we just hit it off. But the, all that is just to lay my background, I guess, at the feet of Bill today, because what we really want to talk about today is what happens now, what happens next with the Wayne Theater Alliance and how perhaps... This is a uh, spotlight on how we in America treat the arts in general, not just theater and TV, but, uh, you know, all the artists. The arts are the first things cut when budgets are difficult and so forth and so on. And, and uh, But promises were made and, and people worked hard. And so now for the Wayne Theater Alliance, allow me to allow their chairman of the Wayne Theater Alliance Bill Halsreth, talk. Bill, again, good afternoon. Thank you for being on the show. Tell me, how did the Wayne Theatre Alliance even, how did it, who came up with this idea, and how did it happen, and how is it going? First, I'm glad to be on your show. Uh, this has been quite a ride for me personally uh, over the years. Uh, and how we got there? Well, uh, RCA Theatres was operating a small theater in Waynesboro, Virginia, known as the Wayne Theater. And uh, as we all know, small theaters had had a tough, tough time. And uh, in about 1999, they closed the theater. And in 2000, they offered to give it to the city of Waynesboro. Mm, yes. And, uh, of course, what they were really doing, we all know those of us that are in business know that they were uh, giving a depreciated asset to have a better appraisal and appraisals uh of those type really reflect things like lead-based paint and asbestos and roof shaders. Yes. And so the city, very willingly, because the Wayne was uh, an iconic structure in our downtown, and Lanesboro's downtown is very small. We were an industrial town. We were never a, a big retail town. So we have a very small downtown, uh, which works in our favor as far as we try to rehabilitate it and bring it back into into some functioning fashion, and, and I would say we have. But the city accepted the lady there, and then, of course, they weren't real sure what to do with it. Mm-hmm. They, had a, they had a cultural commission, which was alive and well, and they actually gave the task of what to do with the way to the cultural commission. Mm-hmm. The cultural commission looked around and found a woman by the name of Lillian Morris. And Lillian died a few years back, but she was many years back. She had been a, a, a strong fixture in the theatrical arts communities both on both sides of the mountain, Charlottesville and Waynesboro, mm-hmm. for many years. A very strong personality, a director, a producer. And so they formed the Wayne Theater Alliance, and the job was to decide what to do with the Wayne. The city of Waynesboro initially funded them enough money to go out and, and bring them some consultants that came to the community and asked everybody what they wanted the lane to be involved in those type of studies, uh, whether it's parking or streetscape or whatever it is. So 
so, so they came in and they did a very thorough job and reported out as to what they thought the community would need. Mm-hmm. And the general ads sort of took that over and began to work. I attended several of those meetings, but I was on several boards at that point. And uh, Lillian had asked me to be on the board, and I had declined a couple of times. After one of the meetings in 2002, uh, early 2002, uh, she asked me to stay afterwards, and she came up to me and said, uh, my cancer is back, and I've got about 45 to 60 days, and you, in good director style, said, she said, you will be the next chairman of the Wayne Theater Alliance. That's it, yes. And that was it. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I said, she was a very good director, and she uh, she sent me down that road. And sure enough, uh, not long after that, she passed away in 2002. Mm. So we've, I've been the, the chairman of this alliance since that time. Uh, we went through uh, more, more procedures as far as what most groups do. We applied for grants, and it was uh, in the days of earmarks. Congressman representatives came through with a, a nice grant from yes. the feds, and we got a couple of grants from the state, and we were able to get into serious planning for what we wanted the building to look like. We had some more sessions, and we essentially boiled it down to the fact that we wanted a theater that uh, would be about the same size as the original Wayne Theater. Mm-hmm. Now, it's, it's always a fun side mark with that. We were a lot smaller in those days, and in the same space that we now have 400 seats, they had 600. Oh. <laughs> the theater originally did have an orchestra pit, no lift, but a pit, and it had an organ, and it actually had a fly loft. Wow. So, so in our planning, we were able to get through the State Historic Preservation Group, uh, we call it CHIPO, in fact, when we put this theater back in the commission, we wanted to have uh, an orchestra pit, and we wanted a fly loft, and they allowed us to put a wing on each side in our drawings. Mm. And so we, our, our, our sense was that um, movies could never sustain the operating budget needed to uh, to even satisfy the debt. Mm-hmm. So we knew we had to, we had to be a, a presenting or a performing theater and... and we decided that we would be a, a presenting theater instead of a producing theater. Okay. And we began to uh, work our way through, and, and we hired architects, Bushman Dreyfus out of Charlottesville, who had pretty much just completed the Paramount uh, in, in their partnership uh, with a firm from, from D.C. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we began to really get an idea of what this would look like. And so by 2006, um, we had pretty well laid out what we wanted, and, and in early 2007, uh, we began doing some serious fundraising and kicked off a capital campaign in 2008. Of course, we all know in, in the hindsight that was probably not the best time to kick yes. off Yes. I want to just touch on, if I may, quickly, because I know 2008 was, a, well, it was a black eye for most of us. Uh, Waynesboro uh, was an industrial town, uh, does that also mean it was like, say, a major railroad town or coal town, or what do you mean by industrial town? Well, when I say industrial town, from, oh gosh, if you go way back in history, but we didn't need to go there, but uh, we had both a DuPont plant uh, with about 2,500 employees, a oh, General yes. Electric plant with about 3,000 employees, 
one of the world's finest corduroys and velvet tees. We had Virginia metal crafters. Um, we had a carpet backing firm. Um, we, we just had a lot of industry, and as a result, we had a very high wage rate. And uh, we had an awful lot of people that were in and out of our community as transferees, mm-hmm. engineers, and chemists. Uh, in the in the mid '60s, the story says had. A hundred PhD chemists working at Benjamin Laboratories. Wow! So we we were not only an industrial town, we were a wealthy town, and we had a great school system. The reason I ask, Bill, is because I've heard parts, bits, and pieces of that story from various guests over the years. But in 2008, things became a lot tougher for everybody. And part of the point that I want to make, and with with your help and your answers, is the real, pragmatic, realistic belief and potential that a a theater like the Wayne Theater Alliance, that group of people and that theater coming back as the Wayne Theater, could and had already started even in its... uh, temporary, down-the-street, tiny storefront gateway productions had already started to generate business around it, restaurants, etc. From that point, tell us about that, that that potential transition and that coming back of Waynesboro and take us then to what happened, you know, with the 2008 performance agreement, if you will. It's a loaded question, but I know you can do it. other building work that required any cooperation and projects. Um, I knew that we had to have the city on board with this project. Mm-hmm. Uh, just looking at potential members, we knew that, that they needed to be involved. So uh, in 2008, as part of our, our capital campaign and our moving forward, uh, we got the city council to commit to what we refer to as a performance agreement. Uh, that's a whole discussion in itself, but they are essentially agreements that all localities use to entice development or business to locate or expand in their community. Yes. By the nature of these agreements and the way the city, by the way, state is set up, uh, city councils can't commit one council to another. Yes. Maybe uh, that it can't commit 2008 for 2009 because of the budget process. But these agreements are, are pretty sacred. And once an agreement is made, because of the time frames usually involved, mm-hmm. the localities keep them. It's rare they don't keep them. So we, we negotiated with the city for the following. Backing up just a little bit, the city had a choice. They could either make a parking lot out of where the lane was, yeah. or they could put a roof on it and just delay doing anything with it. Or they could give us the money and we would push our costs forward. Mm-hmm. And part of our agreement was that they would give us $300,000. And keep in mind that we're talking about a, a $10 million plus project. Exactly. They would give us $300,000 and that would push us forward. And then the agreement said when we opened the theater, that they would give us another 200000 and then beyond that, they would give us $500,000 spread out over a course of years based on the fact that we were doing a significant amount of marketing yes. and, that we had, and that we had major performances each year. Uh, and that was all quantitatively laid out there. So with that, we moved forward and continued to raise funds. What you referred to just a little bit ago about this uh, storefront theater 
Uh-huh. Well, that's about the time I found out about the Wayne and when I started to work there. That's interesting. I didn't know it was so so recent. But go right ahead. Well, so, so in 2008, we, we really worked hard and we gathered a lot of money. And, and uh, one of our tax credits is an extremely difficult tax credit to get called a new markets credit. And I, I know a number of people have tried to work with this credit and have failed. And I one of the few groups that I know of is, is us that has actually done it. It's a, a difficult credit to get. It has a lot of different metrics to it. But we were advised to you know, go ahead and get started and do something at the way and, and as the funding increased, as the funding increased, the, the enthusiasm increased, increased, and we could then close on these credits, uh, which were necessary in order to, to obviously to complete the project. We also were getting uh, a little over $2 million in historic credits, both mm. federal and state credits. So in 2009, we actually started some construction when we did the historic part. We uh, we were able to buy all the steel for the job at a greatly discounted price. Mm-hmm. Um, we put a new balcony in and, and poured new concrete, so it's an incredibly stable, modern balcony. And then our credit and our funding didn't come through, and we wound down that project. But we had completed most of the exterior facade work, and the money wasn't coming together, and we just sort of shut down. Mm. We went back into fundraising mode. And and again, all along, we've been doing golf tournaments and garden parties and galas and antique sales and everything else to, to keep the profile of the theater in front of our our donors in the city. Yes. In 2011, uh, a space came available, and, and we we have been using that space on a monthly basis since about 2008. But we were able to lease it completely in 2011, and for three years then, we ran the Gateway Fair, which uh-huh. seated about 125 at maximum capacity. Mm-hmm. Very nice little street front there. Yes. Um, and, and over the course of three years, we probably did an excess of 200 performances there, mm. all kinds of different performances. And I would say that during that time, from 2011 to 2014, we also saw the downtown Waynesboro, which had a hot dog stand, expand into several other restaurants that began to do very well. Yes. And, to not be disparaging, I eat at the hot dog stand on a regular basis. Um, <laughs> and then in 2013, we again raised a significant amount of money and were encouraged to start again. Mm-hmm. Um, and we began in construction in earnest in, in January of 2014. And then as we got into this project and kept moving our credits towards closing, the tax structure changed. Nothing that our people did, but they decided on a federal basis to change the value of these credits. And so we lost about uh, half a million dollars in credit, and we had, to, we had to close construction down. And at this point, we had uh, cut the theater in half. Mm. Uh, we had dug out the new orchestra lift. We'd taken out the walls where the wings were going to go, and we'd taken out the roof where the fly loft was going to go back. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we uh, we were shut down. 
And at that point, they began to talk about the fact that these credits would start expiring out, and we had to make this happen in 2015. And so the balance of 2014, we worked really, really hard and raised additional money. And then one of the most stressful things I've ever done, we closed out these credits on December, I believe, 23rd, 2014. Wow. We're going to stop right there, Bill, for this segment. It's most impressive. Uh, We will be right back. Please stay with us. We're having a conversation, most informative and historical conversation with Bill Hausreth, the chairman of the Wayne Theater Alliance in Waynesboro, Virginia. Talk about bringing back a town. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Don't go away. Another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. Writer director Paul Weitz is an industry pro already well known for such favorites as About a Boy, In Good Company, Ants, and Even American Pie. In Grandma, he brings us not only a beloved star in Lily Tomlin, but core indie sensibility and humor that arises from relatable life experiences. Tomlin, in her first leading role in Way Too Long, plays Elle, the lesbian feminist grandmother of Sage, Julia Garner. When Sage finds herself pregnant and in need of help, Her survival instinct leads her not to her iron-willed and caffeine-fueled mom, a pitch-perfect Masha Gay Harden, but to the give-em-hell fighter she trusts to win in a clinch. Grandma L is a bit broke. To raise needed cash, she turns to friends from the past, and even to her long-ago husband, Sam Elliott. Each visit completes more of her story one teaspoon at a time. In the end, we have come to know this woman and to love and admire her strength-based laughter in the face of the troubled life she has chosen. This is a revealing portrait of a woman who has battled life into submission, an outsider who never once considered surrender. Thoughtful, humorous, and spare. Distinctive indie perfection. Grandma. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices Blog Talk Radio. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, your host. This is the Reasonable Voices Talk Radio Show. Again, my guest today is the chairman of the Wayne Theater Alliance, WTA Alliance, and Bill Halsworth is his name. I'd like to say, uh, as I was chatting with Bill between segments, um, you know, it sounds to me as though the people of Waynesboro who were involved with the WTA, all of them, uh, have done all the right things and yet somehow have gone through now, you know, there's no question the 2008 recession was man-induced, but no one could have foreseen that. But I often tell people in theaters, the, all the years that I've worked, it, it's show business. And both, you, you can produce the show, but you got to know the business as well. And there needs to be an equal emphasis. And here I think there has been, there has been this uh, getting all the ducks in the row, the grants, the tax credits, the history credits. Then along comes the federal government and city council, and here we are in 2016 Take us from there, Bill. What's happening to uh, the the physical theater itself, and what is going on with the city council? I have to say, I, I 
I, I, I make no apologies. Bill isn't saying this. I'm saying this. I heard the uh, city manager, I believe, or the mayor of, of Waynesboro on television the other night say something like, I don't think the city council or government should be uh, responsible for supporting the arts. And I guess before I get us both in trouble, I'm going to leave it at that. Tell us, Bill, what about the financing structure, 2014 and the construction? It seems it's been interrupted, if I understood you correctly. And what are we doing now? What what choices have they left you? Well, I think, I think when we left off, Martello, um, it was 2000, end of 2014, we had closed on these tax credits. They were worth less than what we thought they were going to be and what our construction estimates were. Yes. So we cut construction budget and started out uh, 2015 with the first two months of the worst weather you could ask for for an outside project. Mm. Remembering, of course, that the theater is laid open at this point. Yes. No roof. Um, and, and uh, no roof on, on where the, the loft was going to go and big holes in the side of the theater where the wings were going to go. But we did get moving. And uh, we had a group called Mathers Construction, and they worked extremely diligently uh, throughout 2015. And at the end of 2015, we were able to get uh, a temporary certificate of obstacles. Mm. It was... Uh, as a lot of construction projects are, it was not an easy project. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we were told by the architects in the beginning, putting a theater is uh, maybe third in line difficulty wise with nuclear power plants and hospitals in front of them. Mm -hmm. and, and I sort of giggled at that, but gosh, when you see the wires and the structure and the conduits and the fire suppression and everything else that has to go into a performing arts center. Yes. Then you begin to realize the difficulty. So, so, um, so we we pulled this off, and mm -hmm. and we were able to not only get the TCO, but then uh, two months later uh, gain our permanent certificate of occupancy. Um, during this time, the late 2014 and all of 2015, we began to to bring on staff. And we are now staffed with uh, new executive director, Tracy Strait, and Claire Myers is there as our executive director emeritus. Mm -hmm. and, and we are selling tickets uh, online at Wayne Theater, and that's a T-H-E-T-R-E, WayneTheater.org. And so we're in business. Uh, we have had, I believe, eight major performances since uh, March first, mm -hmm. uh, including Peter Wilson and uh, and Aaron Clay, the, the White House violinist, and, and his sidekick were our sneak peek, and we've had a fabulous River City Radio Hour. We brought in Shenandoah Jubilee, mm -hmm. uh, and um, we've, we've had Wilson Fairchilds. Uh, we had Crooked Road uh, this weekend. We've had a Disney production this weekend. We brought a thousand kids through uh, two weeks ago to see children's arts programming and 500 more this past week and I believe we'll have another 500 this week. So yeah. we're an important part of the educational system at this point. Mm -hmm. We're allowing these kids to see true live performance by professional in a performing arts center mm -hmm. and it's right in their town. And uh, that was one of our major objectives was, was to bring that forward. 
I was advised at the time we were opening that the city manager would not put uh, us in the budget. Mm. And I need the, the line to take back just a little bit. We realized in 2015 that the performance agreement that we had structured didn't exactly fit where we were. So we approached the EDA, which uh, has a, a city of Lansboro professional staff member that runs it and is composed of a group of volunteers that are business people in the community. And we approached them about reworking our performance agreement. And over the course of uh, probably five months, uh, we all reviewed, went back over where we were supposed to be, and then unanimously approved a rewrite of this performance agreement, mm. which actually meant that the city owed us less money mm-hmm. than what we had originally agreed upon. Keeping in mind that we haven't had any money from the city since 2008, and mm. now we have completed and have a certificate of occupancy on a $10 million plus building. So we've raised over $4 million in, in private donations, um, over $5 million in tax credits. And the way these new markets credits work, uh, we have a lease payment to make. That lease payment was for seven years. We've already knocked off two of those years. So we have five years left. And our performance agreement with the city was to make that lease payment. And it's a hefty lease payment. But at the end of that time, we own the theater free and clear. very much to stop and say that I have 
spent my whole working career in Waynesboro, was born in Waynesboro, went away to school, came mm. back. It is a wonderful town. Yes. It is a great place to raise my kids and uh, to have a career. And the volunteers with the Wayne, uh, as with many other organizations here, uh, work hard to make our city as good as it can be mm-hmm. and better. So um, it's simply, uh, don't ever mean for any of this to be a slight on the population as a whole. We do have a political difference at this point that we need to get corrected. Bill, I, I, you know, when I left New York to take care of my parents, I found that in this area, uh, the greater Washington, D.C. area, that politics was the thing, and I'd always loved politics. I was just too busy in New York to be involved. I'm not so much interested in running for anything as I am helping progressive, forward-thinking people who want to help everybody and include everybody get elected. But I do a great deal of political writing. So, but so with that hat on, I'm just wondering when you say it, it was politics that reneged on this agreement—an agreement that is still existing within the history files, etc., of the Waynesboro City Council. But that, be that as it may, how what political position? thinks it's not good to fund theater that has, at the very least, shown it can indeed get the job done, get productions up, create a presentation house, at least, of touring incoming artists, get schools, kids a part of the arts, and and, and enlighten and, you know, embellish their education in that way. And I'm not being facetious with the question. I'm trying to understand exactly... Where does the political position come in to say it's good politics not to do that? And then, of course, they got elected, so it does come down to the voters. But I'm not understanding, really. Help me out, because I'm I'm perplexed, genuinely, that someone r- runs for office to cut off an agreement to create a viable theater in the community. Well... There's uh, been a move across the country for, for low taxes or reduced government. And I think that was very prevalent here. I, I talked about the, the, the way the city of Waynesboro worked, but you know, until the 1980s, uh, we were an industrial town. Yes. People that appreciate the arts tend to be those that are more into management, or I would say that, that those that participate in the arts, and many of those people moved on. Uh-huh. Uh, many, many of them stayed because we have a, we have a wonderful symphonic orchestra. Yes. In Waynesboro, they just had two big concerts Saturday and Sunday here. Mm-hmm. So there's an awful lot to love about Waynesboro. This is very befuddling, I think, to everybody, obviously, including you, as to yeah. why, uh, when this is in place, that they would not contribute one-tenth of the cost of the facility. Uh, We've not asked for ongoing financial support. We've simply said, you know, this was the deal. You took the theater. We didn't take the theater. Mm. They're the ones that brought the theater. They're the ones that accepted the gift. Yes. And we've instructed them as to what to do with it, and we've turned it something that could have just as easily been a parking lot to the gym of the county. Yes. Much like a backfire theater in Stanton or 
This is a good time in, in the time we have left. Let's make certain this is a call to action. And this is, as I said at the beginning of the show, I think it's indicative of too often the arts being the first thing cut and the last thing considered to be beneficial. And yet it's it's the arts, you know, that usually it's the arts, for instance, in the form of movies and other things. It's the arts where people run when times are bad because it feeds your soul. But I'm not going to get esoteric here. Let's get pragmatic. Obviously, uh, the Wayne Theatre Alliance and the Wayne Theatre needs the financial support. I'd like to give you as much opportunity now to tell us how can we support the Wayne Theatre Alliance and the Wayne Theatre. How do we get in touch? How do we make donations? How do we buy tickets? Tell us. Well, thewaynetheatre.org or you can you can simply Google Wayne Theatre in Waynesboro, Virginia. And that has links into both buying tickets on attending our shows as well as making donations. And we have several opportunities right now. We, we have, we're have finishing up our capital campaign, and so we have a donor's board for that, but we also have something on a smaller scale called our Partner in the Arts, and uh, that's just what, what keeps us moving. Mm-hmm. Um, I think somehow or another the message has to get to our city council that performance agreements are the word and the bond of any community. Yes. And that for the future of Lumsburg, that we honor this so that other companies and organizations and even our own state will feel comfortable investing in Rainsboro. Yes. And making good things happen here because that's what we want. So the, I don't want to say political support, but the backing up that, that we have not asked for anything that many other arts groups haven't been funded for. Mm-hmm. And we have certainly delivered on our promise uh, to the city of Rainsboro. And when I think about it, it wasn't even a promise. We could have wound down the whole organization at any time we want, starting in, in 2000. Mm. And, uh, and we, we stayed away. And so the, the, the moral support, uh, the prayerful support, however you want to say it, that's what we need right now because we need this to happen in the right way so that it doesn't hurt Plainsboro 
uh, but continues to build it. That's what we've tried to do. Well said, Bill. Uh, we have been talking with the Wayne Theatre Alliance, that's theatre, T-H-E-A-T-R-E, the Wayne Theatre Alliance chairman, Bill Hausreth, and he has he has given us a great deal of information and I think a, uh, a reasonable, understandable, given the circumstances, plea for our help financially. The Wayne Theatre Alliance and the Wayne Theatre in Waynesboro, Virginia, has done its part. It's done its share. It has reconstructed. It has brought in shows. It has become a presenting house. It has brought in schools and cool kids. And so it's done its part. And now if the city council is not going to do its part, that hurts Waynesboro as well as uh, the Wayne Theater. We ask you, our listeners, to be supportive, and that's the Wayne Theater Alliance dot org, and theater spelled T H E A T R E. The Wayne Theater Alliance dot org. Anything? Uh, any last thought, Bill? You want to leave us with? Excellent. Thank you so much, Bill Hausruth, for being on The Reasonable Voice today. We wish you all the best, and we hope all our listeners will assist you in any way they can. Thank you so very much. All the best to you. Bye now. Thank you. Stay with us, as we'll be right back with a final comment from The Reasonable Voice. Discovery. Welcome to the Andy Film Minute. Unfinished Song may well have been influenced by 2007's Young at Heart, a wonderful documentary that introduced us to an elderly choir singing modern-day pop songs. That film deserves a look itself. However, today's feature is a scripted drama joyously swimming in the same water. Arthur, played by old favorite Terrence Stamp, and Marion by perennial master Vanessa Redgrave, are long-married polar opposites. Arthur is as sour as Marion is joyous. He curses all the elements of the day while Marion revels in them, laughing all the way. But boy, do they love each other. Marion has joined a competitive senior choir, seeking the opportunity to express her own voice and share in the fun, while Arthur smokes his bitter fags and waits impatiently for practices or performances to end. When Marion passes away, Arthur is left in desolate isolation. Redemption comes in the form of the charming choir director who works to bring him into the fold of the choir community. Savvy? Sure. But we choose to emulate Marion, enjoying every moment of this lovely little film so full of the music and emotion craved by our senses. Unfinished song. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, The Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us in becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Missing you and us, too. 
There was little reason for my grandmamma to leave her huge farm to go into town a few miles away for groceries, gasoline, farm equipment, overalls, and newspapers. Now I only go back for the funerals and do hear on the breeze what I've missed. I'm not into romanticizing the past. Believing things, for the most part, are always improving. Until G.W. and Cheney, of course. As long as what's new doesn't obliterate what's been with what's coming round the bend. I don't miss Mayberry or my slumlord friends on Shelter Island, but I do miss New York City neighborhoods, walking city blocks, and being constantly in rehearsals for something. I miss Gypsy and Heinrich, best and worst watchdogs respectively. Don't miss Dad and Mom so much as it still feels like they're here. But I do miss people who trim their trees back from power lines, so when the winds come, we keep our A.C. I miss hailing a yellow cab for Carol Channing, strolling Midtown with Colin Dewhurst, and chatting with James Whitmore about the next voice you hear. He said I was too young to have seen it, but while other boys my age were outside playing ball, I was watching old movies on TV. Mr. Whitmore was so proud of the fact that he had made the movie with Nancy Reagan before she met Ronnie. But I told him I would never forget what it felt like when God spoke to him on his radio. I miss that. I miss taking time to tune up with morning prayers and reel-to-reel -reel Gregorian chant. I don't miss fast cars and curvy roads, for that's still how I relax. I miss Jimmy Stewart and Harvey. Yul Brenner and the American Original Six. Gregory Peck, whom Mom told, my son is an actor too. I never miss Florida, except when I think of hurricanes 250 miles offshore pinning me against the lifeguard chair, streaking back my hair with beach sand, my lips rimmed like a margarita glass, and the ocean some distance away lapping occasionally at my toes, as a seagull above makes no headway because of headwinds. I miss the silence that can only be heard without the din, and I miss people who understand the wisdom in that. I miss Marvine's white boots as much as our drama classes. I miss my voice lessons with Wayne and Ernie, and both the Peabody and Baltimore Opera in the days of George Woodhead and Bill Januzzi, the only man who smoked more cigarettes than my 61-year-old brother, just diagnosed with the lungs of an 80-year-old. I miss him already. For me, missing is more happy memories than sad longing. But I do miss not seeing my best friend Lance Thomas Viney. However, I don't miss the Silver Diner, his favorite dining choice. I do miss my annual trips to Europe, but it was a wonderful career that suspended them, so we make our choices. I miss dates on letters even to find telephone numbers on bills, and I miss sleeping more than five hours a night. But most of all, I miss who we were in the sixties. I miss Abraham, Martin, and John, and Bobby, too. Join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you.
Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard around the world.